what's it called, Alcon, and working in the legal department. He was a legal assistant, and that kind of helped us, helped us make the decision to, you know, take the leap. You know, it was a steady paying job. You know, we, we had, I had enough in the 401k from Riata to use. You know, I, I took it all out and said, you know, go for it. I won't have a 401k, but it's all right. You know, we'll figure it out later. So we took that, that 401k helped us get through the year. We went to Mexico for Christmas and I went to go talk to an uncle of mine. He was uh, basically a loan shark and uh, <laughs> I mean, no, not basically he is <laughs> and said, you know, Dio, this is, this is what I have. This is my plan. It was on a piece of paper. You know, I want to call it Magdalena's after great uncle. He's my great uncle after your sister. And, and yeah, I, I need, I need 30 grand. You know, we'll pay you back in within a year. If anything changes, I'll just, you know, I'll let you know. So he said, yeah, cool. Here you go. Here's a check. Just deposit it when you cross over. I'm like, <laughs> what happens if I deposit it here? <laughs> like, Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook. The podcast where we welcome business leaders, CEOs, and industry experts to discuss the rise to the top, building wealth, and real estate insights. Here's your host, Jeremy Spann. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook. For more information on downloading this episode and other episodes, you can go to myexperiencedrealtor.com. That's experienced with an ED. For you Marines out there that are like me, have a little trouble spelling. And when you click on myexperiencerealtor.com, you can click on podcasts. When you go down to podcasts, you can download these episodes on all the different platforms like YouTube, Spotify, Amazon, iTunes. And you can also click read more on the guest, like our fabulous, very good friend of mine, celebrity chef Juan Rodriguez of Magdalena's. <laughs> How are you doing, brother? Yeah, I'm doing great. Can't complain. Yeah, I'm doing really well. A lot of a lot of stuff going on. So a lot of stuff going on. Well, stuff. as we start these things, my father-in-law makes me do a joke, and uh, so I think I found the right joke for this one. <laughs> and they're all cheesy. I mean, these are like these are like dad joke safe. Ready? What did the bacon say to the tomato? Oh, I don't know. What did he say? Let us get together. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that. You're going to take, take that, that on I'm to Lucas? Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be like, Dad, you finally got a good joke. Yeah. And you're going to have to tell me and put a testimonial on this thing because my jokes are horrible. <laughs> if it actually hits, I got to know. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try with Paige first and then I'll move over to Lucas. <laughs> it's a good vetting system. Good vetting yeah. system. If she doesn't laugh. She'll tell yeah, me she's yeah. like, you're an idiot. Right. Like, hmm. You go, actually, no, I'm not. Span is. He's the one that said it. <laughs> She's like, oh, makes sense. Okay. Yeah, completely makes sense. Like, how did I not know that that doesn't seem like you? That seems like something Span would say. Uh, so, so we're going to get into a lot of different things involving COVID-19, the restaurant business. But I, when, but I want to lead up to, I want, I want the audience to understand who you are and what your journey has been to get to where you're at. And, and, if, and if you live in Fort Worth and you're listening to this episode, and you don't know who Juan is, then you don't, you, you haven't been eating at really good cuisine mm -hmm. that of really great restaurants. 
So let's take it back to, you know, where what got your start? Where you're originally from? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily in Texas. Yeah, no. And uh, yeah, no. what led you to <laughs> Texas? And and just that 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 journey to get to where you're at now. And and what what sure. tell us about you? Yeah. So I was born in Chicago. Well, let me let me backtrack. Before I was born, my parents met in Mexico. They're from Monterey, uh, Monterey, Mexico. They moved to Chicago with my my mom's on my mom's side I lived in Chicago. So I moved out there with her and that's where they had me. They had me up in Chicago. As soon as I was born, we moved back to Mexico. So we lived there till I was in third grade. So I was always around some good food and, you know, the, the, the whole family, Mexican family vibe where everybody's there, aunts, uncles, cousins. After a while, after that, or third grade, we moved back to Chicago. My mom wanted to be with my with my grandmother, her mom, her her dad, and we were there till I was fifteen years old. Yeah, during that time, we would go back and forth to Chicago. We would drive. There was only one time that my parents sent me on an airplane because it was Christmas time and we wanted to get down there as fast as we could. And but other than that, it was always drive. A big old conversion van. The back seat turned into a bed. We had the Nintendo. We had video VHS back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> How long a drive is that? Uh, 26 hours. My dad was so ready to be down there. Him and my mom would just drive straight just to get, they would just stop to get gas, right? And <laughs> water bottles. Here you go, son. <laughs> and you go to the bathroom. Okay, here. <laughs> we are not stopping. Sorry. <laughs> It's like my mom would get so mad. Andres or Juan, los niños tienen que ir al baño. No, here. Nobody's going to the bathroom. Here you go. So, yeah, it was fun. You know, I, when we moved to Texas, it, it was definitely a big culture shock, right? So, for us growing up in Chicago, driving through to go to Mexico, we would, once we knew we were coming to Texas, we would just go in the back and sleep. So we never really, all we knew is that Texas is coming up. There's going to be cows everywhere. It's nothing but, but land. It's going to be boring, you know, as opposed to coming from Chicago to through Missouri. It's pretty trees, hill. I mean, it, beautiful, right? So we knew that Texas is going to be boring as, as can be. So whoop, next, you know, we're sleeping and then we wake up in the border and we can hear the. The border patrol said, on the van, where are you going? We're going to Monterey. After he said, okay, go ahead. We knew that, you know, life was, was good again. Yeah, it was fun. You know, I, 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 I was very blessed to grow up with a really good childhood. I was around a lot of my cousins, a lot of girl cousins. So they kind of forced me to dance. <laughs> yeah, a lot of quinceañeras. <laughs> Like, no, you're going to get your ass up. You're going to dance with us. A lot of good food. You know, my my uncle's a really good open fire, you know, cook. And my whole life was just whole animal, you know, spitfire, barbacoa on the, on the ground, fresh tortillas. You know, there's one little dish and it's so simple uh, and it's frijoles con huevo. And it's refried beans with eggs just mixed in. But that was the first dish my grandmother would make. 
as soon as we got to her house driving from Mexico or from Chicago, every time, every time we would drive, drive in that she would have that ready. And it never fails. We would, we would get into Mexico, Monterey around eight o'clock in the morning because my dad would drive through, through the night, through Texas, be in the border by like six in the morning. And that way we can be in Monterey by eight in the morning, nine. And that was our breakfast. So it was those little memories and, you know, being around some good food that, that kind of helped me push myself to, to get to our goal. You know, that's Magdalena's right now. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. So for the audience have heard Don Williams episode talking about EO and heard Tony Ford's episode about executive coaching. Tony was both a coach for Juan and I, and, and Juan and I were in the same forum. But prior to me being in Don Williams at forum, Juan and I were in a forum together. So we, we've had a number of years mm-hmm. of really getting to know each other and, and just hearing your, you know, just all the different stories and, and how much influence your grandmother has in mm-hmm. the cuisine yeah. now, right? Let's, yeah. yeah. Tell us about yeah. that. Yeah. You know, and it, she wasn't like the super creative cook. She was just, you know, your, your traditional, you know, grandma who would cook just the simple dishes, but she did it great. Right. You know, and it was a mix between her and and my family. But for me, just the simplicity of the things, like even just like the bean and bean and egg tacos that she would make. I mean, those are the, those are the best tacos I've ever had. Right. And she would make the tortillas from scratch. She would make flour tortillas from scratch. And I can still see her and my mom to this day, you know, this mental picture that I have of both of them, you know, just working the dough and the technique that they had to make the, the little dough balls. I, 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 as much as I try, I can't get it right. (laughs) It's a special, it's a special (laughs) grandma, mom, you know, touch and feel. And they would get them so perfectly round. They would let them sit there. And they would roll them out and get them into a perfect circle. <laughs> I still try to roll out tortillas and it's like an oval, a square. <laughs> Why is it a rectangle? Dang it. So many years of working in the business, I can't roll out a really good tortilla. And here's my grandmother just making it look so easy and so calm in demeanor and and just so soft spoken. And here she is just rolling the best flour tortillas you could, you know, ever have. It's yeah, I now I'm getting hungry thinking about it. <laughs> I'm getting hungry thinking about it. And I've had your food, so I know what that means. So so what brings you to Texas? And when was yeah. how old were you? When when, when so was I was it was my second semester freshman year of high school. Right. So before we moved up here, I was I was going to a all boys Catholic school, high school. Just because their soccer team was third in the state, I was able to get on the team and I knew that I wanted to play varsity as a, as a freshman, you know, it's in a sophomore. So we're going through that, having a good time, have a girlfriend on the phone with her and mom walks in and says, we got to have a talk. We're, we're moving to Texas. I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) No. You're kidding, right? She's like, no, yeah, we want to be closer to your grandparents. Her mom had moved down to McAllen. I mean, my pa- my grandmother, Magdalena, my mom's mom was, or my dad's mom was in 
in Monterey, so it was only fitting that we moved down there. The opportunity arose for my mom to open up Motorola here in Fort Worth off of Beach Street. It's no longer there anymore. But that when it was hot, they opened up this plant down here. So she said, yeah, we'll take the, I'll take the job. And we moved pretty quick. And we came down here uh, second semester uh, freshman year. The, uh, the high school that I was at, a cool story, Isaiah Thomas was their star athlete there. And I didn't know that till I started walking through the halls and seeing these big shrines for Isaiah Thomas and, and his hit, you know, his glory days at that high school. And then they, they did the movie hoop dreams. I'm like, see mom, this is what I'm missing now. You do your movie. I was super bratty. Right. And she's like, you'll be fine. And sure enough, she was right. You know, it was probably the best movie we we could have done. So you get through high school and what happens there? Oh man, I was so ready to be out of high school. I wanted to take the year off. And my mom's like, no, not in my room. Sorry. You're going to either have to go to school, work for Motorola if you want. I can get you a job or, or do something because you're not going to be lazy in my house. I'm like, oh, I just want to take like a year off, you know, work and, and this and that. So I was working my junior, senior year. I started working at, what's it called? Steak and Nail, right here at Highway 80. A couple of friends were working there. I needed some money for class rings and the car insurance, all that good stuff, right? So I started as a busboy. And then I started, actually, let me backtrack just a little bit. I was working at Mako painting cars. My mom got me a job at Mako when I was a sophomore. You need a car painted. I'm your guy. <laughs> <laughs> I can wet sand, dry sand. <laughs> It'll be cheap. <laughs> hey, I know a guy that's cheap. I'm your guy. <laughs> I'm your guy. It'll be good. It probably. I, I promise it. Um, I'm a perfectionist. So. <laughs> so, yeah, she got me that job. Got me some. I uh, was able to get some cash, save up for a car and all that good stuff. But it wasn't until I started steak nail that kind of triggered my interest in in culinary. You know, I've I've always I grew up in the kitchen. I grew up cooking or not cooking, but eating <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Living in Chicago, you're exposed to a lot of great uh, cuisines, right? Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I mean, Chicago uh, is tons. I mean, to this day, we we take trips to Chicago just to go eat. Yeah. Yeah. It. it well, not you know, in the last year. I mean, yeah. you, got, you got everything. I mean, yeah. Cuban, Puerto Rican, Polish, Italian, Chinese. I mean, we would go to Chinatown to go get medicine and have some fried rice because they had the best fried rice in Chinatown. And I, I, to this day, my mom still gets that medicine we used to get for, for colds and stuff. And it, I, <laughs> I don't know if it's like just a Mexican mom thing where, you know, these remedies, right? Right. You know, it works. Maybe it's the mental thing. She's like, yeah, <laughs> drink it. You're, you got, you'll be fine. You'll, you'll get better with this syrup. I'm like, That's this how just... you got past COVID one. <laughs> yeah. Now that we're on 19, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I just drink it here. I'm like, okay. But I, you know, I was always around food. So when I started steak and ale and I started really, you know, working my way up and, and meeting all these hard workers and, I kind of started loving, loving it. Right. What kind of intrigued me more was 
you know, Friday, Saturday night, the, the line cooks, I mean, they, the grill cooks, they would pump out, I mean, three, 400 steaks within, you know, within hours and they would send them out perfectly. Right. Like no steak would come back, maybe one or two, but that's a really good percentage for, you know, for that many steaks I mean, for, to have to come back. But what was cool, you know, obviously the, the, the getting together at the end of the shift and drinking, right? Especially when you're not of age and they're like, hey, come on, you, you worked really hard. Here's a beer. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but the camaraderie that they would have and they knew that, you know, they pushed each other to be better. Like, hey, because like they said, if, if I fail, then he's going to fail. But if I'm doing great, I'm going to help him push him up and we're all going to succeed. And it's going to be a great shift and people are going to leave happy. And sure enough, you know, seeing it on both ends from the bus boy and being in the back, you know, I was able to see the people leave happy and full and just rubbing their bellies because they're like, oh, that was a great meal. Right. That that kind of. It just kind of, I guess, just clicked for me, you know. You know, how can I, what can I do with my life to make people happy and, and, you know, same time appreciate what I'm doing for them. And, you know, I thought cooking would be the, the best thing. So it didn't, my mom, when I told her I wanted to take some time off, she, she's like, no, go, go check out a school, do whatever you need to do. Just, you know, do something. She's like, you when I was working at Steak Nail, I wasn't a hundred percent sure that I wanted to be a chef, right? At that point, I was between wanted to be a computer animator. I was in art classes. I love to draw, paint, all that good stuff, do sculptures. So I wanted to go work for Pixar. And I wanted to move. I wanted to move to California, try something different. So when I went to the well, I didn't really go. My mom kind of dragged me and said, hey, look, I made you an appointment at the Art Institute of Dallas to go talk to them. <laughs> and she said, she's like, we're going next week. So we did. We went, we checked out their computer animation program. And I was just super impressed with what these guys can do. I mean, the, a lot of their, their drawings, their paintings, half of them were, were doing comic book type of illustrations. Their sculptures were just amazing. Uh, their computer graphic work was just out of this world. And I'm like, shit, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> My skill set is oh maybe not quite I am, I'm thinking I'm, I'm great. You know, I had a couple of my, my drawings sent down to Austin to go display it at the, the Capitol. I'm like, yeah, I'm a tough. Yeah, this is this is for me. I know it. And I'm walking through and I'm seeing all the designs and, and drawings. I'm like, shit. That's yeah. That, <laughs> no. So the advisor, she's like, all right, well, what are your hobbies? I'm like, well, I grew up cooking and I work at a restaurant. And she said, well, we do have a new culinary arts program. You know, I want you to come eat the chef. He's a master chef, one of the only master chefs in Texas. So, you know, if you want to. What, what does that mean, master chef? So master chef, you, you go through this rigorous you know, three, four day test and it, it touches everything, you know, different cuisines to knife skills, to management skills, 
and there's only a, a handful of of master chefs that uh, master certified that 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 make it, and usually it's it's the older German guys, French guys that that get to that level. I've spent most of the time, you know, working in hotels and restaurants, and they go through you know those rigorous tests. He he was an old French guy or German guy, and I met him, and he was just this big dude big fat hands i'm like oh man <laughs> it was sausage fingers i'm like <laughs> yeah you 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 butchered some animals back in the day <laughs> yeah he met him and, and i'm like all right yeah i want to give this a shot you know let's do it went back to steak and ale and i talked to my gm because she's been in the restaurant business for for a long time and and she's like you know i love what i do you know i, I wouldn't try it for anything so you just got to work hard it's it's hard you know, long hours. If you're up for that, if you're up for not working or working on on holidays and birthdays and all that good stuff, then then do it. But just know what you know what you're getting yourself into before going into it. Well, even when she told you what you need to know going into it, did you have any idea what that was actually going to mean? Yeah, no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, I. Halfway, halfway through, I, I, I jumped on the program and it, it got super hard for me because my parents had moved out to Peaster and I couldn't afford to, to get an apartment in Dallas. So I was driving from Peaster to Dallas. Well, first I was driving from Peaster to Fort Worth to go work. I would get off at 2, 3 p.m., go to night school in Dallas, Monday through Friday. And then Saturday or Friday, Friday, not, or not Friday, I'm sorry, Monday through Thursday, Friday, Thursday, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I was working at Motorola still because they were paying really well. I was working 36 hours Friday through Sunday, but then the rest of the week would be school and, and steak and ale. I got into two accidents because I fell asleep. I would sleep on the parking lot of the school in between steak and ale and, and in school. Cause I had about a three hour, about a three hour break. So I would just nap in the, in, in my little cavalier. And somehow I still managed to, you know, hang out with friends and, you know, party it up, but not too much. I did turn down a lot of invites, which kind of sucks. You wanted to have fun with everybody. And, but, you know, I would, Drive home, wouldn't get home till midnight, especially if there was traffic in Dallas, that late night traffic for some reason, there's always traffic at 9 p.m. I'm like, oh, what's going on here? But then do it all over again. You know, during that time, I, I almost gave up. Said, I don't think this is for me. Went to the GM and said, I don't, I can't, this is too much. You know, I, I'm not don't have a lot of money. My parents can't help me out a lot. They helped me with a couple of payments for the car because I was falling behind and I just want to give up. So went to the advisor and said, you know, I'm, I think I just want to drop out. And somehow she convinced me to still stay on. She's like, just finish it. You're the youngest person right now. Everybody, you know, this is their, their second second, third career, or they're just doing it for fun, but you're the only, the only young person that's trying to make 
a career out of this. So I st stuck with it. And, and yeah, and graduated, graduated. I was the youngest to graduate in my class. Uh, like I said, everybody was their lawyers or housewives who just wanted to get, you know, culinary education at a culinary school, right? At that time, you know, we didn't have YouTube or any of the online classes they could have taken. So everybody <laughs> went to culinary school. So it was, it was busy. I mean, it was, it was a busy, busy program. Uh, a lot of good stuff. And, you know, the German chef was great. And he came around and talked to everybody. And same thing, just try to keep me motivated. But yeah, just something just clicked after she, the advisor talked to me and said, no, just keep going. It'll all be worth it. I'm like, okay, well. So then you, you get to graduation. How old are you at that point? I was 20. 20? 20 at that point. And what are the next steps after that? So I, I got a job working for the Classic Cafe in South Lake. At that time, it was in South Lake. The original is still in Roanoke. And I was working at another place downtown, Fort Worth, called Zolan. They had just hired me as well. So I was, dri again, driving back and forth. Started both around the same time. and. The Classic Cafe was probably what made me really appreciate what, what I was doing. It's kind of the chef there at that time, Jennifer Brightman, and she was so passionate about cooking and the ingredients. And, you know, we, we made some really good food. And after that, the excitement just kicked in. I'm like, okay, but yeah, it, it's going to be worth it. And she, she said she, she saw, saw something in me that I was going to go far. So once I had that, that, you know, that, that, what's it called? That push from her, it kind of kept me, kept, kept me going. I was there for maybe a year or two. And then the drive again, just, just getting too much going up to South Lake. So I, I went full-time here downtown, Zolan. So that was a really cool, fun restaurant group. Wasn't managed that great, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of issues with, with family and owners and all that. So I was working in the mornings at the Italian concept that they opened up called Zoe. And then I would work at night at their American bistro concept, which it used to be the Zoe used to be the Taverna and then Zolan used to be Piranha's sushi. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Matter of yep. fact, they just closed their door. They did. Yeah. We'll come, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. So let's tell the rest of the journey of like what experience and other restaurants did you get? Yeah. So when you said, I want to go do this on my own. So from there, I, they acquired Angeluna across from the Bass Hall. So I became their uh, sous chef there. Left there. To, what does that mean, sous chef, for the audience? So yeah, so in the kitchen world, you have your, your culinary ladder hierarchy. You, you have your executive chef, which is your, your top dog, right? Then he has his vice presidents, I guess you can say, mm -hmm. which is your sous chefs. And then from there on, it goes to line cooks, you know, uh, chef de partie, which is 
you know, your, your banquet chef and so on, but your two top guys will always be your executive chef and your, your sous chef. Those are the, the two people that the whole kitchen kind of answer to. And you know, it all change. It all depends where you work. Some places like a hotel, big hotel may have two executive chefs or an executive sous chef and two sous chefs. And just depends on the, on the size of the, the operation. It, it, it can get, it can get too much, right? Right. There can be it's too like many moving parts. Too many. Too, too many. Well, I was going to say something else, but I, I guess we're not allowed to use any <laughs> types of words we used to be able to use a year ago because while the intention behind them is great, anything we say is politically wrong now. For sure. You know, I, I guess we don't even use verbs or nouns. I just yeah. sit here and not talk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, God, yeah, just, like, like, last week it was okay to say that. This week it's not. Like, like, it's almost like you got to have like a like a Twitter update. It's like, hey, as of this week, it's this no longer it's no longer Mr. Potato Head. It's Potato Head. And hey, this week turns out Dr. Seuss is racist. Or yeah, you're just like, I, I, I can't even keep up. Or, or Speedy, Speedy Gonzalez. I'm like, what? Like, I love Speedy Gonzalez. Yeah, like, like what? This is coming from Mexican. I love Speedy Gonzalez. Like, what was the one someone told me the other day? It's like, yeah, they read somewhere where like, Pepe Le Pew. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. How can you call the French a skunk? Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, this is just, we're getting out of hand on, I mean, we're, nothing we can say is unoffensive, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so your sous chef, cross street from Bass Hall, what happens yeah. there? Uh, after there, I go to uh, Rough Creek Lodge. And opened up a, a small little, what's it called? To-go meal called Super or super Suppers. But I think what also helped me during that time to really appreciate what I'm doing was Rough Creek Lodge. If it wasn't, if if the drive wasn't as, or if, if it was shorter, I'd be there. But the drive was way too long. It got too too heavy for me as well. I like to drive everywhere. Jeez. I don't know. <laughs> think about it. Miles <laughs> I think I went through two, three cars just putting a lot of miles in them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you can't even say it's because you're out trying to pick up chicks. Yeah, you're no, just trying to make it back and forth. Just trying to make it back and forth. I'm trying to get some sleep. <laughs> That's all I'm trying to do. <laughs> so yeah, Rough Creek Lodge. I mean, that was fun. The chef, Gerard Thompson, he's, he's great. He's California. If you haven't been to Rough Creek Lodge, I highly recommend it. You know, it's a good weekend getaway. It's in Glen Bros, but you don't expect for something like that to be out there. You know, Diamond Star Resort, 84, 85 activities. The food is just amazing. They make their own breads. They have their, their starter dough that they use for their sourdough bread. They've been using that same starter dough for years. So the bread is just just amazing. Everything's made from scratch, desserts, pastries, or breads. They bring in their, their fish. He's got local suppliers around Stephenville that, you know, bring in, you know, greens and vegetables and pigs, and they do their own charcuterie, which is their own sausage, you know, dried salami, By dried greens, prosciutto, vegetables. vegetables. You're not allowed to say greens anymore. That's politically oh. incorrect. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, <listen>. Veggies. <laughs> Green veggies. <laughs> Gee, yeah. Yeah, not green. Sorry. Like, veggies. we can't even say you're brown anymore. We say you're taupe. 
we can't. No, <laughs> we might have to edit that part out. I don't know. You know, someone's going to be like, "Come on, if you can't, oh, yeah. if you can't find fun in, oh, yeah. in any of this, somebody will." Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't say anything in this world anymore without somebody being offended. So for sure. So you go down to to Rough uh, Creek, and then what's after that? After that is Lonesome Dove. Lonesome Dove. Lonesome Dove. Yeah. So I had a friend that was working at Lonesome Dove. And he said, hey, come apply. They're looking for, for a, a chef. Went up there, met with Tim. Tim. Tim Love. Okay. And um, another celebrity chef. Yeah. Here. It's been around for a yeah, while. Yeah, he's done great for, you know, for his business for Fort Worth. And I was his, became his AM pastry chef and helped with the other banquets at night as well. And I think probably like three, four months into it, we... Came up and said, "Hey, we're opening up a Lonesome Dove in New York. You want to go up there? Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Heck yeah!" And we did. He's like, "All right, cool. Y'all are gonna load up a U-Haul and take all the furniture, drive it up there, and and yeah, yeah, y'all, I'll meet you up in New York." I'm like, "All right." <laughs> so we're here. We are. It's June twenty or two thousand five. We're loading up all these chairs and steer heads and pewter plates. And we're driving up. It's three of us, the GM and two sous chefs. And we're driving through, you know, Tennessee and they're taking turns and in driving and we get to Nashville and we go eat. I get in the car, I passed out and I wake up in New York city you like, got you got a history of sleeping through <laughs> long parts of the drive. Yes. <laughs> yep. And that's what I told him. Like, guys, you got to understand. We would drive to Chicago and Mexico. I would just pass out. He's like, yeah, we drove the whole way here. I'm like, oh, was it good? <laughs> Did I miss anything? Because I wanted to see the country. I want to take advantage of it. So, we, yeah, we got there. Big U-Haul through the city. Loaded up. And we were there for about a year. Best experience I've ever had, you know, had his ups and downs, but man, it was, it was great. We had a good time, really good time. We had some good press and we worked a lot, but you know, we played a lot. We, you know, we helped build the other uh, restaurant and pain and organize. So it, it kind of felt like we were, I mean, where we were a big part of it. Unfortunately, New Yorkers don't like Texans. So yeah, it was it's it was funny. We we put a cowhide in the front. Did you tell them I'm from Chicago? And they go, "No, we hate Chicago yeah, we, more." So you just say you like you yeah, I'm from like, Texas. Where can I say, man? Maybe I can say I'm from Jersey. No, that's even worse. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from Mexico. Yeah, yeah. And oh, somebody hates that or something. yeah, I know. Oh, we don't like Mexicans. We like Cubans up here. I'm like Dominicans. But it was really cool meeting. A lot of interesting people and it, it was interesting, you know, the way people live up there and, you know, one of my dishwashers was a Dominican and he was playing, he, he was supposed to be traded to, or he's supposed to play for, who was it? It was one of the Miami, maybe. Yeah. The Marlins. He was a pitcher for the Marlins backup pitcher and he messed up his his shoulder in the boating accident. And he had to go down to like double A or single A, whatever the lowest tier is. I'm not a big baseball guy, but he said he was trying to train to get back into it. I'm like, yeah, but you're, you're my dishwasher. He's like, man, I just need a job right now. I'm like, 
you know, he's like, yeah, I was getting ready to sign a big contract and I fell off the boat because I was being dumb and got drunk. And I'm like, they just dropped you like that? He's like, yep. He's like, no, nah, I got to go. I'm going through therapy and trying to get that. But now I got a baby in the way and this and that. I'm like, seeing that side, like seeing somebody go so close to achieving that, that big contract to just, you know, losing it within a day because of something stupid that he did was just like uh, super eye-opening. You know, we come from, coming from Texas, we didn't, I mean, all, all of our people that work here are, you know, people that we know, but getting to meet people that did it, you know, wholly different ends of, of the world, you know, with cool story. I mean, sad story that he, you know, he lost a contract, but getting to meet people is really cool. One of my sous chefs was from Hawaii. He was a sushi chef, older white guy, funny, 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 Rick. And for being, he was like, I think he was 60, 60, 65 when he came and worked for us. But I've never seen anybody hustle so hard for an old dude. And him just moving to New York to give it a shot. I'm like, man, that's, that's some balls right there. And he's like, yeah, I left Hawaii and just wanted to try New York. I'm like, he's, he's like, I had everything. I was working for one of the big sushi chefs in, in Honolulu and just decided to come out. I'm like, huh, okay, well, yeah, no, it, it, it was fun. You know, met a lot of cool people, like I said, and it was, it was just time to head back. So New year. York, New York, you've gone through all this learning in the culinary world of how to do the culinary arts, but yeah. really it's being in New York where you're engaged with so many different stories, yeah. so many different avenues, call it diversity. For sure. Yeah. And now yeah. that really kind of goes, huh? So now you're coming back to Texas. What's going through your head? Yeah, no, it, it, it's meeting for me. It was just getting to meet more people. Like how do I meet more people and, and get out there, get my name out there. Oh, excuse me. Get out there a little more and, because I mean, New York, I think I met three, four, five different people every, every day, you know, even just going to the bar afterwards, it's just random people. They're super like happy to meet you and, and really know where you're from. So building so, connections, right? So it turns out they really didn't hate Texas. They, yeah. They didn't hate me. <laughs> <laughs> you were, you were your yeah. own one nationality. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I've met a lot of good people. You know, it was really funny. We went to a bar one night and we walk into this bar in uh, Soho. We're sitting down and friends said, hey, I'm meeting some friends here. You know, let's go meet up with them. And it's like four girls and two guys. And he didn't tell me that. And I guess he, he didn't know either, but they were all TCU grads. I'm like, well, I'll be damned. I'm walking to this bar meeting your friends and I'm chatting with them. They're like, oh yeah, we went to TCU. I'm like, huh, well, I'm from Fort Worth. He's like, oh, okay. Well, it's a small ass world, you know, going, living in this big ass city and you walk into a bar and there's these, you know, TCU grads. So it was cool. And, and were they cute? Yeah. Did you hook up with any of them? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> Did you hook up with all of them? No, not all of them. I tried. No. You, you tried. You didn't get anybody. Paige, he didn't hook up with anybody. Anybody. No. <laughs> New York was just there. It was all business. It was all work. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, a funny story when we, when we walked into, or when we walked in, when we first started, where we first moved to New York, we had a little bit of, of relaxed time. So we would all go out at night and there was one night where Tim, myself and the other guys and some other people went out and we, we left the meatpacking district. We walked past this, this restaurant, probably like midnight. We were super hungry. We sit down and Tim's like, all right, what do you guys want? I'm like, I'll just take that and this. He's like, no, we're going to buy the whole menu. I'm like, well, we should have started with that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean the whole menu? He's like, yeah, one of everything. I'm like, no. Yes, we are. Bullshit. Yes, we are. I'm like, okay. So the server comes up. He's like, yeah, what can I get you guys? So at first, we're going to start with these strings right there, right? He's like, give me one of everything. He's like, the server's like, one of like the appetizers? He's like, no, one of everything on your menu. Like, like everything. He's like, yes. Am I fucking... Are you deaf? Yes. <laughs> and he started bringing everything. It was like four or five of us. And they had to put food over at the bar, back here, here, here behind us. The table was covered. And he's like, yeah, that's how I roll. I'm like, you just bought the whole menu in one. Okay, cool. All right. This is going to be fun. I like it. And yeah, no, we had a, had a good time. Like I said, we worked hard. And what the cool, I would say cool thing, but the interesting thing is how big a food critic has on your business, how much of an effect. So we would have meetings before the the shift started and try to figure out or who the reservations, try to see if we can recognize any of the, the food critics or any of their aliases. We had a list pictures what they would look like and this and that and and we would miss them like they were so they were super good about being incognito yeah incognito that we we would miss them until the review came out or reviews came out some would already tell you hey so and so adam platt's coming he's gonna sit here but most of the time we would miss him and it's crazy it's crazy what an impact in that big of a city a uh, food critic has. So, did you get good, bad? What were you oh, and they're all over the place. Like I said, it was the whole the the whole Texas thing, but they the food was good. A lot of the reviews, the food was good. It's just the whole honky tonk thing, you know. Well, it's kind of funny. I remember a couple of years ago, and and for the audience, like I said, Juan and I have known each other for a long time. He's one of my dearest friends, and. I was giving him a hard time. Actually, I think we were up in Park City. Oh, yeah, we yeah, were. <laughs> and I remember he was like, hey, where are we going to eat? And I was like, are you kidding? We're in the grocery store. You're cooking this whole weekend. That's right. <laughs> and we loaded up, too. Oh, yeah. It was so good eating for the weekend. And and I said, hey, since you used to work in New York, you know, and they got Michelin-rated restaurants. Yeah. And I said, why don't why don't we have any Michelin rated restaurants in Texas? Do you remember what you yeah, said? Yeah, yeah. I think re- I remember. No, I don't remember. You go, you go, you go because we 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 create food, not tires. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. That is that is true. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. It is true. We 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 cook good food. Yeah, yeah. We we, we they overlook Texas and the Michelin dust, but yeah. Yeah. We don't need tires. We're good. 
we do just great, and we have a lot of great followers here in Texas, and that's all we need. You know? So you get back to Texas. Where do you go then? Riata. 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 And I know that if you are a Fort Worth person, whether you've been here a couple of days or a couple of centuries, yeah. everybody knows what Riata is. Everyone. Everyone. A staple of Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. Right? It is. Yeah. I applied on Career Builder. I don't know. Is that still a thing? Careerbuilder.com? Oh, yeah, it's kind of yeah, like Indeed. Yeah. or yeah. But that was a thing back in the day. <laughs> Monster.com, too. Yeah, yeah, Monster. yeah I remember com. that one. I remember that one. <laughs> Holy shit, world. <laughs> like, is that still a thing? Is, is that still a thing? I think most people just tweet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you get to Riata. Yeah, well, actually, I, when I applied, I... I actually, there was a little part that I missed out where I applied at Riata. I started, it was in between the Zolan and the Angeluna era where I applied. The chef told me to come in. I was hired. They took all my information and I showed up one day. He told me to show up on this day and nobody was there. And they were doing construction on the new, the new building. So I'm like waiting there for an hour and the construction guy's like, yeah, no, nobody goes. We're doing construction. Nobody's here. Nobody gets here till till later if they come. And this is a Saturday morning. I'm like, well, this is a bitch. I, I'm waiting here. I called and texted everybody and or not text, but I called and say, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll be there. And then the other chef is like, hey, call Juan. You know, he's he's taking care of it or taking care of you. This and that. Well, nobody's here. So I got pissed off and I left. And at, after that week, my grandmother had passed away. So I couldn't come in. You know, I called Juan and said, hey, nobody was here. What's the deal? He's like, oh, sorry, sorry about that. Miscommunication. I'm like, all right, cool. Well, I can't come in because my grandma passed away. I got to go down to McAllen and be with the family. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just call me whenever you get back. I'm like, all right, cool. But called and, and nothing ever came of it. So, so that was my short little stint at Riata. So fast forward and I got a job at Riata. I know that people don't leave. They stay there for a while because, you know, it's, it's a good job, good paying job and they treat their employees well. And so I saw the, the post for a sous chef. I applied, got hired and yeah, jumped on board. Jumped on board as one of the sous chefs. I was there eight years. And then six of those, I was the executive chef. Became the youngest exec, youngest executive chef that Riata's ever had. So, you know, there's there's a line of chefs. There's a lot of great chefs that come out of Riata. It's kind of like the, the last stepping stone before opening up your own place. You know, Grady Spears, Todd Phillips, Juan Harmio. And then one, you know, myself were the four chefs that Riata has ever had at that point, you know, for being that long standing of a restaurant to only have four executive chefs in that time was just, you know, it's, it's a good indication that it's a good place to work. We, man, we, we had a good time too. We worked a lot and we did a lot of cool stuff and we'd not, we, I went down to Alpine to the original to go check out, you know, their operations and see what the original Riata's like. And it was fun. And 
it kind of, I've never been to that part of Texas. So it was nice to get to, you know, see that, that side and stayed at the, the ranch that, you know, Mike and Al own. And I remember we're going through, going back home to the ranch and, you know, it's so dark. There's no lights. There's nothing. Cause it's just, you know, there's nothing down there. Nothing. In that part of time. I mean, this is Southwest nothing. Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. So I'm, <laughs> I'm driving with some of the chefs and I turn off the lights and cause it's like nine, 10, you know, 11 o'clock. And I turn it off. I'm like, Hey, let's see how dark it really is. <laughs> so I turn off the lights and we're driving. I'm like, Oh shit, it's really dark. <laughs> All you see are the lights oh, so, or the stars. I'm like, sorry guys, let me turn these lights back on. I'm like, yeah, please don't do that again. I'm like, okay, one more time. <laughs> what you were trying to do was go, this is why I shouldn't drive and y'all should just let me sleep like I normally do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, when I tell you, hey, you drive, <laughs> do it. <laughs> so Riata, there's at a certain point, you're ready to, you've gotten now all this experience. Yeah. You're ready to go do your own thing, yeah. right? Yeah. So, you know, at Lonesome Dove, I, I learned about, a lot about marketing, marketing yourself and meeting people and making those connections. Briata helped me with yeah, the business aspect of, of owning, you know, your own business, mass producing numbers, you know, what, what, what does it take to, you know, to, to make sure you hit your bottom line and make sure you're making money and not losing money. So during that time, I, I think it was the last maybe year, year and a half that it, you know, it's always been in the cards, open up something. I had met Paige at Riata and we, we hit it off. And I said, you know, this is, this is one of my dreams. You know, I don't have a business plan. I just have a dream. I'm like, as long as I have a dream, everything, all the details can come later. Right. <laughs> so we, we started looking, we, we almost opened up in Mansfield, a restaurant, but that kind of fell through. So went back to Riata. Well, I didn't go back. I, I told the GM at that time because he knew I was trying to open up something in Mansfield. I came back and said, hey, that's, that's not going to work out. So, but I'm still actively looking to open up something. He's like, man, whatever you need, I'm right here. I know you're, you're hungry for that and you know, respect that. So he was really cool. And then you know, one day I just kept talking about it and talking about it. And she said, you know what, just shut up and do it. Go talk to whoever you need to talk to. Go talk to your uncle. Go talk to whatever, whoever you need to get money from to start this. No, were you all married at this point, you and Paige? We weren't. Okay. No, we weren't married yet. We actually, we celebrate seven years this, uh, this weekend. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, we were dating at that time. And I said, when we were working at Riata, I said, if, if we want us to, to get married, you know, I want to make sure that we can work apart from each other. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if that made any sense. <laughs> you know, I think I just wanted to get her out so she can go find another job. <laughs> so <laughs> calling her bluff and she's like, all right, I'm going to quit. I got another job at the Fort Worth club. I'm like, oh shit, you're serious. <laughs> I'm like, well, <laughs> there's no going back. <laughs> But no, she's probably the sweetest, hardest, hardest working person I've, I've ever met. And, you know, she, she left to go work at Fort Worth Club. And that's when we kind of, she started pushing me and, you know, we started sitting down and seeing what we need to do to make it happen. 
So she ended up getting let go from Forward Club and jumped on over at, what's it called, Alcon. And working in the legal department, she was a legal assistant. And that kind of helped us, helped us make the decision to, you know, take the leap. You know, it was a steady paying job. You know, we, we had, I had enough in the 401k from Riata to use. You know, I, I took it all out and said, you know, go for it. I won't have a 401k, but it's all right. You know, we'll figure it out later. So we took that, that 401k helped us get through the year. We went to Mexico for Christmas and I went to go talk to an uncle of mine. He was uh, basically a, a lone shark and uh, <laughs> I mean, no, not basically he is <laughs> and said, you know, Dio, this is, this is what I have. Uh, this is my plan. It was on a piece of paper. You know, when I call it Magdalena's after uh, great uncle, he's my great uncle after your sister. And, and yeah, I, I need, I need 30 grand. You know, we'll pay you back in within a year. If anything changes, I'll just, you know, I'll let you know. So he said, yeah, cool. Here you go. Here's a check. Just deposit it when you cross over. I'm like, <laughs> what happens if I deposit it here? <laughs> like, do I get shot or something? <laughs> it's like, no way. You just go to the bank across. My bank is in, in Laredo. I'm like, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> so there ain't no gangster stuff. Yeah, just, you gotta go, no. you gotta get back over there to cash it at the actual <laughs> yeah. bank. Like, is somebody going to follow me? I don't know. <laughs> oh, geez. But yeah, no, it, it, it was his loan and kind of helped us start the, the venture of Magdalena's. Yeah. We, Let's see. We I left Riata after rodeo of 2015. So in March we started, you know, just hitting the floor and and trying to get in front of people. So while Paige was working at Alcon during the day, her boss was really cool and said, "Hey, have you got your work done? You got my work done? Whatever you can spend time, you know, doing you know your business if you want." And so she would do on her lunch break. She would you know, email people. She would get me in front of people to talk, you know, bring some food, some samples. We would go all over DFW. Any company that, you know, was looking for a caterer, we were, we're, were there trying to pitch ourselves. It was like any startup. It's, it was hard. Obviously, you know, you have the, yeah, come, come give me some samples. We like love to use you, but then you don't hear back for forever. Right. So, you know, for, for every door that closes, we always, you know, two are going to open up and we just kept pushing. She just kept putting me in front of people. I would show up with food and, and just keep, you know, give our, our, our spill and, and just go from there. And, you know, it was, it was hard trying to teach people. They, they wanted to make the connection still with Riata. I'm like, no, I'm not Riata anymore. This is, Magdalena's my grandmother, you know, this is my background. This is who I am. Oh, but you were at Riata, right? Can you do those, those cheese grits? And <laughs> I'm like, sure. Yeah, whatever. But, you know, we had to straight stay true to, you know, we, what we were wanting to do and, and who we wanted to be. So we just kept pushing and pushing and, and Paige made friends with a lot of, a lot of wedding vendors. And, you know, we, we had our first big, big break with, it was actually a, a family, some family friends that uh, their daughter was getting married. 
and their wedding planner happened to be Tammy Wynn, which is one of the best wedding planners that you can you can ever have. She's amazing. Her events are top notch. And this event happened to be on the stage of Bass Hall. So I was nervous. I actually, I kind of threw up before the event because I was, you know, butterflies and all that good stuff. And, you know, I, I didn't want to screw it up because this is our break. You know, this is, you know, having that many people for somebody that, that's just up and coming was big for us. So we, we did it and got a lot of publicity from, you know, 360 Magazine and a couple other wedding magazines, I think. But that kind of helped us. So this kind of helped launch you. Yeah, right? it did. You were able to show what you've been trying to demonstrate to people. Yeah. And then finally you get the opportunity. And naturally, you wouldn't have got all this great publicity if you didn't hit a grand slam in what you did mm -hmm. to deliver, right? Yeah. So, so what was that like going from literally tossing your cookies because you're like this is yeah, this is well, this is where i'm this is this, this is make it or break it and then it and then the results of it was wow we made it what was yeah. that what was the the well it, the journey it, of the feelings to go from there to there it took a little bit it took maybe a year and a half two years after that mm -hmm. event we got a lot of publicity we knew that that was our our moment and we got a lot of a lot of business from it but we were still dealing with our commercial kitchen not being ready. So I kind of just put a damper on things, right? Here's the high of heck. Yeah, this is our moment. You know, this is a great publicity for us. It's going to set us apart. And then here we are with the contractor bailing with money, you know? So it's like, whoop, you know, it's that roller coaster of emotions that entrepreneurs deal with, right? It's like, yeah, you got that nice high. And then you get get brought, brought down all the way low. It's like you built with money. So now your uncle and dad are helping you trying to finish the build out and they're, you know, the plumbers, you know, helping any way he can, you know, he's going above and beyond and he's not even charging you extra. And, you know, everyone's just really cool. But then you have this, this asshole who's just, you know, just made out with some money and it's like, all right, fucking let's just, we got to pull, pull together. Page kept, booking stuff so we cooked out of our house <laughs> if any health inspectors are are listening <laughs> that was many years ago it's okay we are good now we only get like one deduction now for our inspection because they're always going to find something but back in the day we would have been screwed <laughs> but you know i think that's the the not necessarily funny haha -ha about being a entrepreneur but just kind of the funny aspects of it is People see the results of what you do now, mm -hmm. but they don't see all the oh, no. the scary things, the insecurities, the the everything. So one of our episodes we're recording this week says, you know, we record in bulk mm -hmm. is Chris Powers. And I was listening to a, one of his podcasts on the plane coming back from Wisconsin on Monday. And, you know, and he talking about COVID and whatnot, and it was just like, yeah, any any entrepreneur that tells you that they haven't been scared at some point or had just this super insecure feeling or whatever, they're either not an entrepreneur or they're or they're lying to you because man, it doesn't matter how lucky you are being in the right place at the right time for everything. 
There's the blessing of what happens with knocking it out of the park yeah. on this wedding that you did. But then the curse of, I don't have the infrastructure to really grab the momentum I want to mm-hmm. grab that I finally have. Yeah. But a lot of people in that moment will quit. You said, no, yeah. I'm going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And, and you did. And what happens from there? Yeah. You know, and then we, we were down to our last thousand, twelve hundred bucks and we still needed to buy food for another big event. You know, we, we got a big check in for 20 grand for a wedding that wanted to pay. And that was another sign that said, we got to keep going. You know, again, I, I was like, just so fucking stressed out. I'm like, we're going to have to close this down. You know, this is into, you know, 2015, 16 and and no, it, we got that big check. We floated it. And ap- after that, it was, it was, it was good. But after we got everything figured out, we got the kitchen open and it was crunch time. You know, we, after that year, 2016, we were getting so busy and getting, you know, a lot of, a lot of caterings, a lot of events in homes. We made the decision to have Paige quit her job. You know, Alcom was great. Benefits were amazing. And we decided to just take the leap. You know, we still had insurance. So that's when we got pregnant and all that good stuff. And because their insurance, like I said, it's amazing. It's the gold, <laughs> golden handcuffs, they call it, right? Yeah. You have, you know, you may not be happy working there, but I mean, you got all the benefits of the world, right? So we decided to just take the leap and, and go for it. And and after we did that, man, we, we, we just took off. We took off requests and all these events just started coming in. It was slow, but we had some really good big budget events that helped us. And you're not um, only doing catering. No. You've got your supper club. Yeah. yeah so yeah. let's talk about that. Yeah. So we had these event spaces. You know, we had the kitchen. We acquired, we need more room. So we expanded to the building next to us, but we weren't booking as many events just yet. So I remember when I went to Portland, they were doing a lot of pop-up dinners at random locations. So I told Paige, I said, hey, let's do a pop-up. We'll call it Supper Club, Magdalene Supper Club. We'll invite our past, you know, clients and just go from there. And then we'll start building our email list, right? And at first we wanted to do it like a restaurant because initially that was the goal, open up a restaurant. So we had restaurant seating, right? I'm like, well, that just didn't, we, we did our first two, three. It just didn't feel right. It just felt like any other place. I'm like, you know, let's change it to uh, community style seating. I feel like that's going to, you know, entice people, meet new people. Because I was, all, you know, about the connection, especially meeting all these random people in New York was really cool. So I wanted people to do that. And, you know, this wouldn't, we wouldn't be doing this guy any justice if we didn't name drop him. <laughs> and you know who I'm going to name drop, right? Do it. <laughs> you know who, right? Who is your biggest fan slash stalker? <laughs> My friend. Chris Schwartz. <laughs> <laughs> he was always. Yeah, we yeah. love you, bud. <laughs> <laughs> so Chris, that's actually, it was really funny is you and I had known each other for some time or an yeah. EO forum, but I still hadn't been to the supper club. And he was like, Hey, we're going to go to one supper club. You want to go? And you know, and it's one of those things. It wasn't that I hadn't wanted to go before, but you know, man, we were, we were all so busy at that point of yeah. growing our businesses that it was just, 
or getting hit by a thousand things. I was like, yeah, I, absolutely. Uh-huh. I've had his cooking, so I know I know how well he cooks. <laughs> and and then when we went and I saw this community style, long rows of tables and chairs, and I was really amazed by how many people I recognized in there. Yeah. Right. I was yeah. like, hey, I know that person from this business and this person from this business. And even actually one of your your staff that used to work at Waters when it was on West 7th before being in downtown, oh, yeah. I, I, I saw her yeah, and I Vicky. was like, yeah, I saw yeah. Vicky and I was like, hey, I remember you from Waters. And she was like, actually, that was the reason I was making a beeline over here. I remember when you and Laura used to come here. So it was just really amazing is yeah. it wasn't, I can, I, it was in that moment that you had always talked about your vision when we would, all right, I'm not violating anything, you know, but Right. So you would talk to me offline about right. But when you would share your vision about like, man, I want to create something that's not just that regular restaurant. Right. Sure. And and you know, and you and I'd have drinks and talking about this. And I had a hard time really understanding the concept of what that was. I mean, naturally I support you hundred percent, but I was like, but once I saw it, I was like, this isn't just coming here for great cuisine. This Mm -hmm. is coming for an experience. experience exactly and 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 of course when i walk in and chris had no idea that i think he knew that we knew each other but he, he didn't know how well we knew each other yeah and when he sees you come out and make a beeline to me <laughs> give me a big hug and you walk off he was like you know one <laughs> and i was like yeah, I was like, do you want to take an appropriate photo and text it to him right now? I was like, I'm totally doing that. Most people shouldn't answer my text in public because you never know what you're going to get. Nope. And, and, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're like, oh, let's no, delete that one. But, and then he was just like, yeah. And, and, and so, but it was also, you know, what's funny, you know, giving Chris a hard time here is Chris is someone who is, who I would say a chef that, by desire, doing it as a hobby, not as a living. And he, as a matter of fact, last summer, he called me, this was in, I think around August timeframe said, Hey, I'm looking to get away. I'd really like to come up to Pagosa. Just I'm tired of the Texas heat. Where can I stay? And I was like, I got a four bedroom, three bath house right here on a mountaintop. I was like, you can stay at my house. And he's like, well, how much would that cost? And I was like, Bro, you come cook <laughs> for the week. We're yeah. good. And so he did. He shows up, I kid you not, with his truck loaded. We'd had boxes of meat that was being shipped in. So he gets in here and I mean, he just, we eat incredible for a week. And, and so it was, it, the point being is Chris is someone that is very particular about food because of how much effort he puts into creating his own that for him to look up to you so much was, you know, you kind of take your friendships for granted. Sometimes you go, yeah, of course he's great. Yeah. Of course he's the best at what he does. Yeah, of course. But then you see someone like Chris who, when he looks up to you, I'm like, wow, Juan really is the best because Chris does not put that that kind of passion into supporting someone unless they are the absolute best. So for Chris, when you're listening to this, we did give you a shout out. (laughs) So you got the community style seating, you're catering, 
As a matter of fact, you got a new big gig you're doing now, right? Where is yeah. that one at? Well, we have a food truck as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah. bought a food truck. We've had it since last year, but we bought it from Austin City. So we Which took, was another one you opened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Helped the, the culinary director there. But with COVID, I, I kind of stepped out a little bit so I can focus on Magdalena's. But no, yeah, we, this year, I mean, we, last year was crazy. We can talk we'll about come, that later. We'll come back to yeah. that. Let's talk about rock. Let's talk yeah. about Rocker B. Rocker B. Oh man. Rocker B is, it's fun. It, it's owned by Lance and Lauren Bird. They're here from Fort Worth. Awesome people. We started doing events there. Paige met somebody or didn't meet somebody. She knew somebody from Alito that was helping them out and introduced us. We did several catering caterings for them and they said, Hey, we, you know, we like you to take over all the concessions in the restaurant, you know, when baseball season comes, they, they are, they're a baseball facility slash resort real. It's kind of like a, like a small rough Creek lodge, but with three big baseball fields and it's more for the select teams. So all these teams from all over come play. They did a great job, you know, building these really cool AstroTurf fields. And, and yeah, it's anywhere from 1,500 people to 2,500 people. 2,500 people. Mm-hmm. You're feeding 2,500 yeah. people. What yep. kind of supply chain and logistical, holy cow, does that come with? Oh, you know, it, it's simple food, you know, really good burger, chicken strips, just what baseball kids want, right? But it's, it's we, we've learned the hard way and not the hard way. It's just, I let my ego get, get in the way of, you know, wanting to do something good, you know, keep up with the Magdalena's feel and this and that. And the first, first week we went with necessarily a, a crazy menu, but you know, just throwing our spin on it. Right. And they told us, the owners told us, Hey, these kids just want a good burger, chicken strips, whatever. Right. Like, Oh, no, yeah, we can, we, and we did that, but you know, you, you just have to go in there and see for yourself sometimes. Right. But man, these kids come in, they order five, six, seven burgers all day long. And we just need to pump them out. Right. So, you know, just keeping, luckily we have enough space to just bring in a bunch of food and just store it. They're back to back tournaments. So it kind of helps out, you know, rotate everything, but, and it, it's crazy seeing that type of volume. It's nuts. Yeah. You know, and, and they need their food quick because, you know, the dad doesn't want to miss his kid's game. And, you know, he, we actually had one, one guy come in last week and was buying some stuff and wife texted him and said, Oh my God, I missed my son's first home run. Is there any way you guys have it on camera? And they were able to bring up the camera, the video and give him the, the little clip of his son making you know, his first home run. So it's really, it's just pumping out food, right? Pumping, pumping, pumping. It helps my guys get super fast. It's totally the opposite of what we do, you know, over here where we take our time, we develop the food and all the good stuff over here. It's just, now let's get some good food out and pump it out. But we're going to be there all year long, all year. And we have caterings in between weddings, uh, corporate events. So if you know anybody that, needs to take their team out somewhere for a week or a couple of days. 
that's, I think that's the place to go. You're talking about like corporate events, like corporate, there, maybe like a retreat, retreat or something like that. Yeah. You now, know. are they getting quick burgers or are they getting Magdalena? No, style? they get Magdalena's. Yeah. yeah. For the tournaments, it's, it's quick burgers, but yeah. for, you know, the other events, the weddings, the corporate events, we're doing custom menus just like we do now at yeah. Magdalena's. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's cool. And it's, you know, there's uh golf, I think there's a driving range, there's uh ski, there's four wheelers, there's a pond to go fish. I mean, there's a lot of amenities for people. There's disc golf throughout the, uh, the property, basketball courts. I mean, everything you can ever want for a retreat. So you're there. able to kind of keep your identity as Magdalena's mm-hmm. and then, but also be able to go supersonic whenever yeah. you have large events. Yep. Well, let's, let's, let's go back to a year ago. I get goosebumps thinking about it. Mm-hmm. So those of you that have, haven't listened to previous episodes or, or whatnot, I've owned a restaurant for coming up on 10 years uh, this June that we hope we make it to that June, actually. And I'm not, to be honest with you, I don't live with a lot of confidence that, that we do. I hope that we do. My, my GM, Jeremy, his name's also Jeremy, is, he's doing everything there is possible, but there are just some things not within your control that I told him, I said, if we make it to August, we're going to be just fine. So the goal is, you know, not staying open, just make it to August. One, eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? Mm-hmm. But, but there's an industry called the restaurant industry, other industries too, not taken away sure. from that. But the restaurant industry in March of last year, COVID hits us. Take me to where you are there. Yeah, man, that was, that was killer. I mean, still is. Yeah, we lost a million bucks in sales. Not knowing what the fuck is going to happen. It's like, all right, you know, when March hit, you know, we actually went to a catering convention in March, beginning of March in Vegas, and we started seeing the, the effect of it, but it wasn't, it didn't click just yet until, you know, we got back home and, you know, shit went south. And we had so many events lined up. I mean, we were going for a record breaking year in 2019. We're going to hit 2 million. We're on track to hit 2 million. And weddings, people started emailing, calling, said we need to change, we need to cancel. So it's like this super high. And then all the restrictions started hitting. You just start seeing, you know, it's like you're losing everything within your reach and you can't do anything about it because, you know, it's just, just a moment. You know, we knew we had to do something. You know, so we started, you know, like everybody else doing kits and to go meals and our servers became our, our delivery drivers. Everybody just kind of came together and and said, all right, boss, what do we need to do? I knew that we, I didn't want to lose my staff and we didn't, we kept everybody on board. So we tried to do anything that, that we, that we could to, you know, stay open and stay or keep everybody employed. So we still had a couple events in between that people still want to have, you know, they're at their home. We transitioned to doing small, intimate weddings. You know, the, the bride still wanted to have a wedding. So they just want to do like a 10, 15, 20 person wedding and in their backyard. So we did that. So they would have, they're having a big event this year, a lot of big events this year, but man, that was, I don't know. It, it's just, 
past year, obviously. So it's a blur for me trying to stay afloat. And when can you remember when, I mean, because we all hit our lows going in it, right? Where you were just like, I'm not sure I'm going to be open tomorrow. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. that moment when it, right before things started to pick up again, when that was for you? Yeah. For us, it was May, end of May. We have gone, the PPP loan was kind of going, you know, or diminishing. And we're coming to our slow season, which is, you know, July, July and August. Mainly because if you've never visited Texas, yeah, we're like a mile from the sun in yeah, July no and August, and it's like a thousand percent humidity. <laughs> Nobody wants an outdoor wedding because it just no. it's it horribly no. hot, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So at that point, I we, we weren't sure. We were still keeping everybody on staff, and so we had to make the call, and and we'll start pulling from money from wherever we could. You know, maxed out a couple of credit cards, pulled from savings that I've had since I was twenty five whatever we could to, you know, keep everybody employed and keep our, our dream, my dream, you know, our dream alive. It was, wasn't until August where we got um, a call. There was somebody looking for a chef to go up to Colorado to work on their, their ranch for their hunters for elk season. And that kind of helped us stay afloat along with some more parties that people started booking so that kind of helped us. So if anybody, if you're a hunter, if you're looking for any elk hunts, let me know. I'm your guy. This place <laughs> is really cool. Yeah. White River Mountain. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. No. I don't even know how to put it into words this past year. I mean, the restaurant business is probably one of the most resilient businesses there's, you know, there's out there. You know, we pulled together. We got creative. We helped each other. You know, we started handing out food to people who needed it. You know, it, it makes me, it didn't make me mad. It just bothered me just a little bit that we didn't go straight to government for help, like the airline business, right? Obviously, you're not, you can't compare. You got a lot of, you know, a lot of money that goes into the airline business. But you know, we were made to, we, we had to adapt, you know, and for, for us to, you know, adapt and and go through everything that we went through and people still blaming the restaurants for the inc increases of or spikes and this and that with no studies behind it. It's like, all right, that that's enough. It, it, we're, this is our dream. We don't have a lot of funding. We're trying to do whatever we can. We're helping the community still. I don't see anybody else helping the community, but us. And, you know, we're just done. We're, we're done. F you. I don't care about you. I just care about my family, my staff, my business, you know? Yeah. So yeah. it, yeah, you're, you're right though, is, you know, the very thing that provides not only your livelihood for your family, but is also provided for other people. For sure. Because I mean, look, Americans gotten lazy. How many, how many people don't even have a kitchen because they eat out every night? What yeah. are they, what are they able to do? Mm -hmm. But yet we're, we can't open up because if we do, we're the reason why COVID, right? Yeah. So we could easily get down that track, which I'll keep us on track here because yeah. I know we yeah. got some <laughs> feelings towards that. For sure. But, and so Colorado comes in, that helps. Yeah. yeah and then yeah. Chris Swartz again. Yeah. <laughs> he calls me. I was coming back from Colorado. This is, you'll have to remind me. I can't remember if it was October or November. 
that you opened the supper club again. I think it was October. Yeah. And yeah. it was the first night you were going to reopen, I think, right? Yeah. For the supper club. For sure. Because, you know, it would go, you had, I think it was something like, because of the inside space that you had when they were like, oh, you can do 50% capacity, but six foot tables based on how you do that. It doesn't make any sense at that point. There's too many, you know, if you can't fill the room, there's no sense in doing it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then you had finished that outdoor space, which by the way was perfect because the yeah. weather was perfect. And was. then seeing, you know, so Chris is like, Hey, and our daughter was in town, Maggie. Oh yeah. And, and right. we were like, yeah, we're, we're going. And, and Chris, always brings really good wine. He does. And he does always bring really good wine. And uh, you see him coming, you're like, hey, I know he's going to have some good wine for me to drink. Bring a glass, okay. Bring a glass. But see, you know, we were sitting at our table, and and for those of y'all that have never been and experienced Magdalena, one of the things that Juan does is he comes out and he talks about the menu. Mm -hmm. And he talks about the characteristics of what goes into each of the items on the menu and what it's supposed to mean and what he's aiming for the taste experience you're going to yep. get out of it. And uh, you had your, you had, matter of fact, when you saw me walk in, you went over and I can't remember which whiskey you, you had or a bourbon. And you were like, Hey man, I just had somebody mm. bring me some bourbon. You, you got to try this. Yeah. It's from the whiskey club that I'm part of. Yeah. That's right. And I was like, man, that's good stuff. So when you come out to do your opening, seeing the smile on your face, you know, yeah. and there still wasn't a ton, a ton of people there. There was mm -hmm. enough for you to justify doing Okay, yeah, if we got this sure. many people, we can do it. And then to watch you walk out and hear the passion in your voice of, we're back, baby. Yeah. We're yeah. back. And then we start yeah. picking up this momentum. We're doing all these great things. And then Second weekend of February, the it, Texas shuts down for this yeah. freeze. Were you, yeah. what, what was going through your mind at that point? Like, oh, man, we just we've been can't get a fucking break. <laughs> Jesus Christ. How much, how many more things can be thrown at us? You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and most of the places are doing outdoor dining, but here comes this big ass blizzard. It's like, okay, now we got close down, you know? So we, you know, we, we had the food truck. We, we started doing food truck events, going to different neighborhoods and, doing pop-ups at Magdalena's with the food truck. So that kind of helped out. I helped out. But man, at this point, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to wait for the next, you know, blow. What else is it yeah. going to be? You know, come on, just bring it. I mean, we've adapted all year long. What else can be that bad? You know, I, oh, it, dude, it's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> but, the, but one of the things is Juan's being very humble right now because that's who Juan is. Yeah. There was a big news article. And I want to make sure that when Nate puts this together, I want that news article to be on your read more about you. Yeah. There's a big star telegram because I think y'all had just right before the freeze happened, got in the shipment of food to be mm -hmm. used for the week. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's not going to do any good if you can't go do it. So Juan was actually out, not just doing this as a business, but helping people by going, all right, yeah. who needs some food? We're showing up and making food for people. Yeah. And, and uh, so tell us about that. Yeah, we just, we started distributing tacos and waters and Topo Chico's because Topo Chico sponsored uh, a bunch of the, the their beverages. So we did whoever needed, you know, tacos, just come and get, you know, some tacos and some drinks, right? We did, started at Magdalena's and then we took the food truck over to uh, the Bob Bowen Center complex and fed the firefighters, firemen, 
police officers, whoever, you know, first responders, and really whoever needed a, a meal. During that time, I had a friend, Brendan Doherty, who, who was acquiring all these boxes of food. And he called up and said, hey, I, I know you're doing your, 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 your meals at, for the first responders. You want to take, you know, 50 boxes of food. I'm like, yeah, I'll take it. And we took it with us. And I'm glad we did. You know, there at that time, you know, people, the freeze was, were coming out of the freeze. But then that's when people were finding out their, you know, their pipes were bursting and this damage was done. So they had no heat, no water and no electricity. No electricity. Yeah, yeah, no. Police Rub ain't working on delivering. Yeah, no, mm -mm. no. So the police officers would take boxes back to their, their neighborhood stations and drop it off at different homes that they knew needed, needed some food. So it was cool, you know, to, to see that and help each other out. And yeah, no, we were there for two hours just handing out a shit ton of tacos. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what really amazes me is from when we started this episode to go through your journey of all of these different places you got the experience to then risk it all to go start it and all the ups and downs to then you get there and you're killing it. And then COVID happens and just you're barely making it all the money you had made to be able to expand and everything else. And then now COVID comes in and just decimates, decimates you. And then you finally pick up momentum again. And then the freeze is decimating you again, that mm -hmm. your generosity to still help. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and I think that that's why I know you get really wound up when people go, well, it's really restaurants that caused this. Cause you're like, I've, I've risked everything I have to get to where I'm yeah. at. You, and, and then now you want to say that when, even when you went through all your money and everything else, mm -hmm. you still went and gave when there was yeah. nothing more to give. And, and that's how much you care about everything. It takes me back to when you started this, when you were at Steak and Ale and you were talking to your chef and she said, I think you've got what it takes as long as you're willing to do above and beyond working weekends, mm -hmm. working nights, working holidays. And I kind of joked with you and said, do you, did you have any idea what that meant? <laughs> and then now, you know, all these years later, you did have what it took. And, and it made me think of something you said earlier is when you were at culinary school and you were thinking about dropping out and she convinced you not to drop out. Mm. I don't, I don't really think there was any convincing. Yeah. I think maybe just a little reassurance, reassurance yeah, because for sure. they saw in you, right. Being mm. the youngest in, in chef school to graduate to be the youngest executive chef at Riata, one of the name mm -hmm. brand staples of restaurants here in, in, in Fort Worth is that you did have what it took. Do you think that there is something about some people that even though you don't know quite yet what the movie's going to look like to play out, but you see them and you go, this person's got that something special that's going to go do amazing things. Mm -hmm. Do you think that you had the ability that even you looking at, you know, the younger people that are now coming in where you're able to go, this, this person, we don't know what their story is going to look like, but they're going to have a great yeah. story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I see that now. It's yeah. crazy. It's crazy. I, I see it with my guys too. I'm like, you're going to be really good if you just keep up what you're doing. Yeah. You know, just know it, what you're getting into. You know, you're getting into. <laughs> That's the first thing. It's going to be long, but the journey's long, but yeah, you'll do good. Yeah. Trust me. Trust me. So I like to wind every one of these episodes up with 
And, and what's really funny is even a little over an hour into this thing of recording, we've only hit high level steps of everything you went through to get your experience and the trials and tribulations to get to where you're at. Right. And to survive, not just survive, but thrive right, through, man. man, it was like, remember that old Nintendo game? I'm sure you do. You were talking about it. Mike Tyson's punch out. Oh yeah. Oh, you're like last <laughs> Joe fighting Mike Tyson, right? But you're not going to give up. You're in not there give, no. is looking back. I know we would all want to go back and tell 20 year old self a million things, but looking back now, if there was one, one thing that was like, do this or don't do this, but whatever you do, if you just do this, you're going to be okay. What is that one thing that you would go back and tell 20 year old one? Uh, don't undersell yourself. Yeah. Tell me more about that. You know, I, I think I, I didn't have that much. I didn't have that confidence back, back then. I knew not looking back what my worth was worth. Like I, I knew that I, I was very valuable to a team. But I, I, I just didn't have the confidence. So I would just tell myself, just be more confident. You know, you're working hard as it is right now. You'll pull through. But just know what your worth is. You know, you're, you're worth a lot. Worth a lot. And travel more. <laughs> <laughs> Man, if, if I could have, especially in this business, if I could have gone to L.A. or any other big city, worked for six months, I would have done it. Yeah. More experience. But, I mean, I don't... I don't hate where I am now, you yeah. know, but it's, I think back then I would have done a little more traveling, you know, well, you not did. spend so much money on stupid stuff. You did get to go to one really cool yeah. place. Well, I mean, yeah. you've been to many cool places, but somewhere. I had the chance to go to Spain, to Barcelona. I had a uh, chef of mine. I was at a point where I wanted to go and, and work somewhere outside of Texas. And he's like, you know, I just came from Spain, Barcelona. I have contacts in Barcelona. Do you want to go? I'm like, good something happened and started dating someone and kind of kept me here <laughs> i'm like oh, well. but a couple of years ago you did get to go to tokyo yeah been twice that's right i love it I'm ready yeah. to go back how right. cool is that it was one of the most amazing experiences i've ever had you know besides new york tokyo the way they live their culture their food above all is just amazing you know they it can be the smallest little stand, but they take so much pride into what they do that it, it, it makes the rest of us look lazy. Yeah. Lazy. And they make it look so easy. And it's not just fish. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. You've had such a, you know, I, when I think of celebrity chefs, right? And, you know, people don't know a lot of the backstories by what took. You don't just come out of the womb as a celebrity chef, right? Mm. There's a lot of trials and tribulations. And basically when you finally made it, you've had every spot has tried to disqualify you along the way where you're kind of like, you're kind of like the special operations of the culinary world. In my mm -hmm. opinion, you know, yeah. you're like, you're like seal team six <laughs> of culinary. Right. Yeah, sure. And, and so tier one and, and you, you and you are, and I, I and I, aside from the great food that I have always got to enjoy from you, I've always really appreciated your friendship and how supportive you've been of me of, of many years, and how much I've learned from you, not just on the restaurant side, but what I've learned out of you 
on even my real estate side of the business. And so I'm really grateful for that. So the audience wants to know more about catering and supper club or just yeah. hiring you to go off to Colorado to do all that. How, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah. So our website, MagdalenasTX.com. We post stuff on there. Our social media, our girls do a great job with social media. So if you go to Magdalena's TX on Instagram and then Magdalena's Fort Worth on Facebook, we post up a lot of the uh, the events. Catering, we do anything you can ever imagine. We got a vision. We we try to you know bring it to light and make it happen and and create some good food and a good event. We have our food truck. So if you need a food truck at your neighborhood, let us know. You know, we've teamed up with some schools where we give 10% of our sales back to the the PTO, PTA. And our supper club will kick back up uh, at the end of this month. Yeah, it's time. It's ready. We we get at least, you know, uh, at least 30 emails every week. When's it coming back? <laughs> we're ready. Can we be the first? I'm like, yeah, it's coming. It's ready. And we're, we're ready. My chefs are ready. They're ready to start creating some good food. You know, we're just ready to see the people that, you know, used to come all the time, you know, and yeah, I think that's about it. Rocker B. So if you have kids that play baseball, if they're in uh, a team, Rocker B will be out there. Come see us. And then if you're an avid hunter, let me know. Let me know. I'll, I'll get you hooked up with elk hunt out in, you know, in God's country up there. It's beautiful up there. It's nice. Well, I, I thank you, Juan, for the listeners out there. If you're Want to know if you missed out on what the web uh, on what his website how to get a hold of one on d- different social media you can always go to www.myexperiencedrealtor.com that's experience with an ed when you go to my experience click on podcast go down to Juan Rodriguez click on read more and you will find out how to directly get in touch yeah. with his team thank you for coming Juan yeah thanks for having your me time brother yeah no man appreciate yeah. it thank you that was awesome yeah. what you think that's good yeah, yeah. I'll do it again. Yeah.